past few years, I've been experiencing like a tremendous amount of doubt. Um, obviously, like just doubt of myself, um, but also doubt of God and doubt of the things that I believe. Because um, I think over time, like as you get deeper into the rabbit hole, you start to realize like some things don't add up, some things don't make sense. And so I had to essentially say, I'm gonna start from scratch. And I don't know if my searching for God now, after I wiped the slate clean, if I was gonna find him. And that was the scariest part, because it was like, if I let go of everything that I know about God and start from the beginning, what if I just fall away from God altogether? And that has been such a foundation of my life that like, that not being there was terrifying. But I still struggle right now, and I really don't have the answers. I just take it day by day, really. But if you had all the answers and everything was all good, there'd be no need for faith. A lot of people talk about their struggle when their struggle is over. You know, they talk about it in the past tense, like, oh, this happened, and now I'm fine. Because I wonder sometimes if it's because it makes them look good. But a lot of people don't open up when they're in the middle of it and, and share because it makes you vulnerable. It makes you feel like weaker than everybody else and that people will try to fix you. You know, we don't really have a lot of safe spaces to be broken. But my music is one of those places because I feel like music is a place for honesty. And if my music lets like one person know that they're not alone when they're going through things, like then I feel like I succeeded. When was the last time that you thought a friend had been abducted and replaced by a lookalike droid? Has that ever happened? Or a family member, maybe? When I was a kid, my brother and I were in the living room playing PlayStation, Frogger, and our sister, who's uh, the middle child in between us, walks in and asks if she can play as well with us. And we look at each other, and we look at Megan, and we say, our sister likes books, so who are you, and what have you done with her? Uh, nevertheless, she learned to play Frogger, and um, in no time, she was beating us on a consistent basis. So, sometimes we do things a little bit out of character that make people close to us raise an eyebrow. Uh, but other times, our life changes in such a radical way that people think we're a completely different person. That's what I want to talk about this morning, um, becoming a new person in Jesus. Our theme this year is all things new, and today I'd like to offer you uh, just some thoughts um, on our theme. And um, I, I think it's important to talk about for you grads who are um, getting ready to head off to college or into the workforce, but uh, I think it's important for the rest of us to talk about too. So we're going to start off in the Word this morning, so you can turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or you can just follow along with us right here on the screens, starting in verse 11. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, 
and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love urges us on. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. This is great news, right? But how do you know if you belong to Christ? It's not a, not a trick question. Um, you simply, you give yourself to him. You commit to follow him with the rest of your life. Uh, you're baptized and you, your old life is buried in death and you're raised to your new life in Christ. Um, it's important to remember that journeys are complex and nobody's journey is um, identical to someone else's. I was baptized when I was 12 and I didn't really feel uh, that different the next day. There wasn't some uh, immediate desire to be holy all of a sudden. And if you ask my brother and sister, they could attest to that truth. Um, but I think that we all feel that some uh, that way sometimes, no matter how far along we are on our journey with Christ. We sometimes wonder, is this what being a new creation feels like? Am I, am I missing something? Is this it? So everyone's journey is complex, but it's really about a relationship. It's like if you join a team, uh, but you don't have a relationship with a coach. How could you become a player? How would you make the, tr tr the transition from a fan to a player? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm on the team. You know, I'm on, I'm on the team. Uh, but uh, I don't go to uh, any of the practices or play in any of the games. Or read any of the coaches' emails. But I'm on the team. I'm on the team. Yeah, I'm on. Because, uh, you know, I heard that we're going to win, and I like to win. So this is a silly idea. Um, but the point is, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, then how are we making a transition from being in our old life to our new life? Belonging to Christ isn't just about joining the right team, it's about following him and allowing him to make you a new person. I want to give you um, three focus points this morning, and they're not, they're not necessarily take-homes or life applications, uh, because I, I want to be careful about always giving us something um, you know, that we can do. We, we feel like we can learn that way, and if we can walk out the door with things to do, uh, then you know, we know which direction we're going. But some of this this morning is going to be more of just a truth uh, to hear than uh, an action to do. So, uh, number one, 
is to know you are flawed and know that it's okay. Know that you're flawed and know that it's okay. We have this terrible desire uh, to make it seem like we're perfect. That's one of the most dangerous things about social media for students and adults alike. We have filters to hide our blemishes and imperfections. And uh, when we're by ourselves uh, in our room, we can take as many selfies as we need to to get our facial expression just right. This masks uh, our true self. This allows us to uh, portray ourselves differently than we actually are, without blemishes, without faults. Um, and it's, it's something that seems simple, something that seems harmless in the moment. Uh, but underneath, it's, it's going against the idea that we are flawed and it's okay to be flawed. The youth group is in the middle of a study called Stressed Out on Wednesday nights. And this past week, we talked about how uh, trying to please others leads to stress. We all want acceptance no matter how old we are. Uh, and we feel like we need to be the best version of ourselves to earn acceptance from others. Students... Um, Students will inevitably end up measuring their popularity by the amount of likes that they get on their Instagram posts uh, as opposed to some of their friends. Uh, and adults just do this too. I don't want to just um, say it's you guys. You know, we do this too. Uh, in our jobs, we compare ourselves to other people. Um, we feel like we can't make mistakes or we might get passed over for a promotion. So this is a countercultural idea, just knowing that it's okay to be flawed. But at the end of the day, pursuing being flawless isn't really worth anything. Have you ever, have you ever noticed uh, that it seems like kids have more problems than us adults? That's really just because uh, they haven't figured out how to hide it as well as we have yet, if, if we're being honest, right? Um, they figure it out, seriously. Um, we can try to hide it, but, but they will sniff it out. I made... Uh, some salsa back in January that I threw out last week. <coughs> I'll let you do the math. Um, and it was in a Tupperware container, and everything was good for, you know, for several months. Um, but the fumes from the habaneros or something had built up air pressure and popped a corner of uh, the lid. It broke the seal and, and uh, let some air in. And uh, if you know... Uh, if you own a refrigerator, you know what happens to food when uh, air gets to it in the fridge. Mold, gross mold. Um, left unchecked, it turns into some kind of alien life form of mold. But we, uh, we're good now. We, uh, we took the bag, or, or we took a biohazard bag and uh, disposed of all the salsa, sealed it up, threw it in the trash, and took the Tupperware out back and burned it. And then we... Um, bathed in vinegar. So I think we are, we're good. But um, that's what happens when we try to just seal up our flaws. Eventually the seal pops and people start to smell it, right? Parents, if, if we come here on Sunday and try to pretend like we've conquered all of our struggles, like we have it all together, we communicate to our kids that this is all really just fake, we walk in the door and say that we're doing great to everyone who asks, but in reality, we were just arguing in the car with each other 
10 minutes ago. You know, kids learn more from their parents by observation than by verbal communication. Um, so the end result is that they learn that you can't talk about your struggles because they must be unacceptable here. And when they leave home for college and mess up, they don't have anywhere to turn. It's a scary thought. Here's talking point number two. Talk about your struggles with God, with a mentor, and with your family. When we talk about our struggles with God, we grow closer to him through our honesty. When we talk about our struggles with a mentor, we allow vulnerability to enter the picture and we build a valuable relationship. A mentor becomes a friend that we can call when we've messed up later down the road. When we talk about our struggles with our family, we encourage authenticity. Stress melts away as we establish the truth that we aren't perfect and that we don't have to be. I have a movie clip uh, that I'd like to show you. Uh, it's about being open about your flaws. The special will now give an eloquent speech. Go ahead, man. You got this. Okay. <clears throat> Hello. I'm Emmett. Oh, and this is the piece of resistance. Thank you. Well, uh, I know that I, for one, am very excited to work with you guys. Uh, well, technically, I'm not exactly a master builder yet. What? Please, everyone, everyone, please. Rubbish. Yes, it's true. I may not be a master builder. I may not have a lot of experience fighting or leading or coming up with plans. Or having ideas in general. In fact, I'm not all that smart. And I'm not what you'd call a creative type. Plus, generally unskilled. Also, scared and cowardly. I know what you're thinking. He is the least qualified person in the world to lead us. And you are right. Well, you were right about him being a ding-dong. This is one of my favorite movies. Uh, it's the Lego movie, if you've never seen it. <clears throat> and the main character's name is Emmett. And the premise of the story is that Emmett is just a regular, plain old Lego person. There's nothing special about him, but he happens to be in the right place at the right time, and he is chosen to save the Lego universe. Uh, and this is a speech that he gives to try and rouse all the other master builders um, around him and, uh, you know, start formulating a plan. It goes terribly. Um, but one of, the, one of the greatest fictional stories ever told. You should check it out. <clears throat> Paul admitted his faults as well, the writer of 2 Corinthians. He knew that this was a good strategy um, for communicating the message that he was trying to communicate. Paul even boasted about his faults. Look in uh, chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. We'll start in verse 8 uh, and read through 9. Tim used this passage two weeks ago, <clears throat> but I think that it's worth repeating. Um, Paul had a struggle 
he calls it a thorn in the flesh. And he pleaded with God to take that from him. So let's start reading in verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. When I, when I read this for the first time, it was hard for me to think about God you know, saying no to this. I mean, this is, a, this is a noble prayer request, right? Please take away my temptation or my struggle. Help me uh, overcome this. Uh, but God says no, and, and not just once, but three times to Paul. He says, no, all you need is my grace, and that's enough. This is what I talked about last year. If you'll remember, last year's theme was enough. And I tried to, um, I tried to shape the message last year around um, allowing God's grace to be enough for us. Because we know it is, but we, we don't always um, follow through with that on our end. We don't always allow him uh, to be enough for us. So hearing God tell Paul, uh, one of the most influential writers of the New Testament, um, no, and that his grace is all you need, uh, that is comforting when you think about it. But Paul knew the importance of being transparent about his flaws. Talking openly about our weaknesses keeps us accountable, which is something that we all need. It helps us stay humble. It builds trust with others. And parents, I know the fear may be, you know, well, I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I did. I don't want them to, you know, I don't want them to go down the same road that I did. But if you talk about your struggles with your kids, they'll feel like they can talk to you about theirs. And that's a really valuable thing. That's important when they leave home and they're out on their own because when they fail, and they will fail, and grads who are about to head off um, uh, with some independence, a new stage of life, you're going to face uh, challenges, your faith will be tested, and you'll stumble. Um, But they'll remember that they don't have to be perfect because Jesus is perfect for them. The video that we watched uh, before the message this morning was... uh, from a Christian rapper named Andy Minio. He's one of my favorites. And he is known for being really authentic about his struggles. He, he uh, writes about that a lot. He sings about that um, in, his, in his songs a lot. But he talks about being in the middle of it still. Uh, and that's a vulnerable place to be, especially when you're sharing it not only with you know, another person or a group of people, but broadcasting it um, for you know, all of your fans uh, to see and to hear. One of the things that he said uh, that I thought was um, really significant uh, was that if we had all the answers already, if, if there was no doubt, if we had all the answers to all of our questions, then how much faith would it really require uh, to, to follow Jesus? If we don't have all the answers and we do experience doubt, then that can actually lead us into a deeper relationship with God. Um, I'm hesitant uh, to, um, to ask for audience participation because you never know how it's going to go. Um, so I'm, I'm trusting you on this one. But I think it's really important for us, uh, especially for the young people in the room, to know that they're not alone. And doubt is something that uh, I grew up feeling like you know, I couldn't really talk about at, at my church. And I don't know that anyone ever said, don't ever talk about this. But it just kind of 
I kind of got the idea from how everybody acted, like they were all great and they were all doing good. I think that that is just kind of what subconsciously uh, seeped into my mind, that you, you, know, you don't talk about doubt here. But I want to ask in just a moment for a show of hands, um, if doubt has been part of your experience in, in God, whether it's been uh, for just a moment where you're thinking, you know, is this all really real? Or, you know, is, is God really up there? Does he hear my prayers, you know? Uh, or if this has been something that you've dealt with on a large scale for months or years. Um, I just want to invite you to take a deep breath um, and uh, raise your hand if you've experienced doubt in your life. Yeah. Take a look around. It's important for us to be open and honest. This needs to be a safe place uh, for us to talk about our struggles Talk about our doubts. Talk about our fears. When we're authentic with each other, uh, that invites us into a deeper relationship with each other. And that's what God wants from us. If you take a look at Psalms, God wants our hearts. He wants the truth. He wants to know how we really feel. And leaning on him is really important. So number three is lean into God's grace and allow him to make you new. One of the things that I really love about being a dad is when Callie asks me to kiss a boo-boo uh, to make it better. It's the best feeling uh, in the world. Uh, when it hurts really bad and I'm not there to kiss it immediately, uh, she'll ask me to kiss it as soon as I get home. You know, daddy, daddy, you know, boo-boo. And even if she got, you know, early that morning. Um, and even, even though I know that it has no physical effect on the time period of healing for her boo-boo, I know that it means a lot to her emotionally. And in the same way, when I'm not right and when I'm hurting, my spirit longs for healing too. And there's only one person who can make it better. And that's who God is. That's the way he feels about us. We get this idea of who God is, and it's so backwards. We think that he's always angry with us or uh, that our closeness to him depends on how good or bad we've been um, over the past weeks. I think, it's some of the, I think that some of it is probably the church's fault, and I'll take some of the blame for that, and I'll apologize for that, but I think we probably spend too much time talking about what we shouldn't do and not enough time talking about who we are. Your journey is so much more about being than it is about doing. I'd like to finish out the rest of the chapter uh, in the 2 Corinthians 5. We'll start in verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's a wonderful message of reconciliation when we hear that God is making his appeal through us. I do think that we can get a little freaked out. You know, like, who am I to carry this message? We're afraid that uh, we'll face uh, judgment from those who we share the message with. But if we boast in our weakness and acknowledge that we, in fact, don't have it all figured out, um, as Paul does, it comes from a place of humility, and uh, they'll know that they're not alone, and that's really comforting. 
sharing the message outside of the context of a relationship is harder. It's not impossible, but it's harder because people will make assumptions about you. But if you live in such a way publicly that acknowledges your faults and your failures, people will know that you're not faking it. People will know that you're legit. And that just makes you more trustworthy when you're carrying this message. I want to read verse 19 again. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. I think we can sometimes downplay the truth of this verse because we don't want people running around uh, just sinning willy-nilly, yelling, it's okay, it doesn't count, sin away. Um, But again, the story of God's love isn't about what you're supposed to not do, It's, it's about who you are. If you're a parent, you know that there's no better way to make a kid uh, want to do something than to tell them that they can't do it, right? Um, did you know that when you're trying to influence a kid not to do drugs, it's more effective to just invest in them, let them know that they matter and that they're loved, um, and make them feel like they belong. That's, that's far more effective than just telling them, don't do drugs. My parents maybe mentioned don't do drugs once. Maybe twice, I don't really remember, but I do remember not having any desire to explore that kind of stuff because of who I was. I knew that I didn't need it. Chances are you've felt this. Maybe there's a sin that you have tried to stop doing, uh, but it just seems like a losing battle. Or maybe if we focus instead on Jesus and giving in to him, he will transform our life and make us new even to the point where our friends and family don't recognize us. Who you are dictates what you do. And it's so much easier to surrender to Jesus and just follow him than it is to try and put out all the fires of don't do this, don't do this. Ultimately, if we do mess up, we know that it's okay. We can always come back to God. And he made sure of that through Jesus. I don't know if you keep up with the uh, fill in the blanks on the app or in the bulletin, but here they are for this morning. There's only one. You know what the answer is? God makes things. Yeah, you got it. Good job. You probably knew, I mean, as soon as you picked up the bulletin or opened your app, you probably knew what the answer was. My question to you this morning is this. Does your life reflect the truth that you already know? Are you living into the fullness of this truth? that God makes all things new. As the praise team comes back to the stage, um, I want to remind you that during our next song, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered around the room, uh, spread out around the room. And if you need prayer, um, if, if you have something in your life that you need to give up to God, I want to invite you to seek one of them out. Um, if, do you need to surrender to God? Trust him to handle your hurts and hangups and allow him to make you new. Last thing I want to share with you this morning is um, uh, a Bible story poem from one of Callie's books that we read to her each night. It's from Ephesians 4.32. The shepherd forgives. Be kind and loving. Forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ. Ephesians 4.32. When you say you're sorry for something you've done wrong, the shepherd will forgive you then it's time to move along. He doesn't keep mistakes on a shelf or in a can. 
He throws them out and never, ever remembers them again. If Jesus lives inside your heart, then you can be brand new. Just tell God what you're sorry for, and he'll forgive you too. Let's stand as we sing together.